0: hello everyone happy 10th anniversary to the movie drive which is the subject of today's prestige film uh it came out in uh, this week on 2011 it was directed by danish filmmaker nicholas winding Refn. Whoa. who uh also has directed some things i've seen before that uh, the crime biopic uh bronson uh, came out in 2008 he also did that uh, viking period piece action film valhalla rising in uh, 2009 before Drive it was written by Hossein Amini, who also wrote uh, got an Oscar for his work on the, the Wings of a Dove. Also wrote the screenplay for 47 Ronin based on the novel Drive by James Salas. It stars Ryan Gosling, uh, former Mouseketeer turned star of the <laughs> romance The Notebook. Yeah, also in the big Short, uh, was just in Blade Runner not too long ago. The new one, mm-hmm. Carrie Mulligan, who also is in Pride and Prejudice to Great Gatsby remake with Leonardo DiCaprio inside Lewin Davis. Brian Cranston, bald move, fan favorite, Walter motherfucking white yeah. as the uh, car man Shannon in this film, Albert Brooks, who I was today years old when I found that he was not actually a another son of Mel Brooks. I was shocked. Yeah. Apparently Brooks a, a brooksidemic in Hollywood because there are a lot of brooks, lots of brooks in Hollywood. Uh, he was in taxi driver and private Benjamin in the late seventies, early eighties, and then came all the way to 2011 to be menacing in a way I've never really seen before in this movie as a, a gangster Bernie Oscar yeah. Isaac. Uh, we know Oscar Isaac, right? Uh, Poe Dameron from star Wars amongst other things. Christina Hendricks, another Baldwin fan favorite uh, who can forget Joan from Mad Men. And then Ron Perlman. We know Ron. Ron Perlman of Hellboy fame, of one of the Blade fames, of Pacific Rim fame. He of the Lantern Jaw. <laughs> Jim, this is a very arty neo-noir
1: gangster film set in L.A. Yeah. What, what did you think of it? I remember coming away from this movie the first time remembering mostly the aesthetic uh, in that it is. Yeah. Neo-noir film sort of draped in vaporwave, right? Like, and I don't know that that comes through in the actual filming of it so much as it comes through in the key art and the soundtrack. Um, Those are by far the most vapor wavy elements of this production. But that is the vibe I had coming out of it. It felt like it, Do you remember the game Hotline Miami? I feel like Hotline Miami bit a lot off of this movie's feel. And that that was it. That, it was that. And it was the scene of. Brian Cranston's character getting it that I came away from this movie with. And that was seared into my head that moment. Yeah, the love scene between him and uh,
0: Mr. Brooks was just uh, he just gets it in the the most unforgettable way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I remember because this happened at the, Ball, the dawn of bald move. I know we saw it, but I don't think we were actually talking about movies at the time. Like, we might have just started covering television Maybe. and whatnot. And, and I was, you know, a big Brian Cranston <laughs> fan from uh, Breaking Bad. And I was expecting a very slick, stylish action film. And uh, what I got was a very slick and stylish art house film that left me very cold and nihilist feeling at the end of it. Mm -hmm. Um, It has some of the most shocking violence I've ever seen because it kind of comes out of when it starts up in the movie. It kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, And I just I I don't know, like, because this is very... I imagine this is films a lot of very influential because I don't think mm-hmm. you have John Wick or Fury Road if you don't have this film. I don't feel like you have um, Ryan Gosling and Blade Runner if you don't have this film. You're probably not wrong there. Um, but for all those reasons, and, and this movie is well loved, it was well decorated, uh, has a very high, you know, critic score, slightly lower. Well, not an even slightly lower audience score, because I feel like a lot of people like me were expecting a more conventional uh, action film which has to do something to give you something to care about the protagonist and I feel like this movie mm-hmm. wasn't interested in any of that it was just all about archetypes and style and I admire this film a lot it's got a great soundtrack it it looks amazing all the time uh, it's got sickening displays of human depravity Yeah, but it just leaves me feeling
1: cold um, and like I said I admire this film but I don't necessarily like it I mean the main character of this movie keeps everybody, including the audience at a distance. I don't think you're meant to like, you are, th- there is enough of a character and enough insight into that character to feel something for him um, and to sympathize with him in a lot of cases. But it's, it's barely a sketch of a character. The sketch of the character mm-hmm. is this is a good guy at heart who does bad things. And I, and the people who deserve it right right um yeah not to not to random citizens he's not doing shit like that but but he's a good guy and that's enough of a piece of a character to latch onto and say okay i'm willing to follow him through this journey but you're right at the end i i don't know where the end of this movie wants to leave us necessarily other than where we started and I don't know that that's like a super compelling arc, even if it is one that's fairly easy to follow. I think the other problem
0: is Carrie Mulligan, who is the exact same and there's very little reason to care. She is the, she is the MacGuffin in this movie designed to be cared for. Yeah. But I don't give a shit about her. In fact, I don't like her in any of the films I've seen her in. Uh, I like the great Gatsby. She's easily the weakest part of the film. I don't inside I don't like inside Llewyn Davis. And I wonder how much of that is just because I just hmm. she is like a question mark. That's what I when I see her face is just a giant fucking question mark. She looks like a brick in Super Mario Brothers that might give me a mushroom <laughs> or a fire flower. I'm not really sure. And this movie um, plays. I don't into want to that. tap
1: it to find out. Right. The, the movie plays into that. The movie. It, it's it's not encouraging us to get in real tight with these characters because both of them are very, they're, they're very similar characters neither of them cares to say much of anything throughout this entire movie they're they're almost they're held back by the the tone of this movie and the aesthetic of this movie I yeah think. yeah the, the whole narrative is and i don't know that it's bad it's just it's just subdued because it's all of very what they're intentional. Trying to go for artistically
0: Yeah, because this isn't like a long, dreary film. It's not like a two and a half hour slog fest. It's It's very tight because like it's no it's not a minute longer than it needs to be to do Mm -hmm. what it does. But it like it always goes for atmosphere and mood where I guess I'd rather it to do something with the characters. And it's just You know, like uh, Ryan Gosling and Carey Mulligan, I don't feel like have any chemistry. And it's really important since they're such thin character stretches sketches to do that
1: which is crazy because Ryan Gosling has fucking chemistry with everyone. No, it's this character. I don't know that this character would have chemistry with anyone, right? Maybe. And especially with, with the not kid? a character. Like
0: it's... I believe yeah. the relationship yeah. between Ryan Gosling and uh, Benicio, uh-huh. I think is his name. Uh, But I don't buy it between him and Carrie because like I said, Ryan huh. Gosling is a really charming guy. Like you want to like him even when he's like, but he comes alive when he's like dealing with the kid. And I, I kind of would like him to come alive when he's dealing with her too, but they're both playing this kind of like dreamy, sleepwalky kind of yeah. fantasy role in the beginning, and then it all goes fucko. And but by that time, I don't care. Like the final th- that's the biggest, the damn damning thing at the end um, is something shocking happens, and I just didn't care. I was like, yeah. oh. Uh, And it was interesting, like, I mean, like I said, Gosling has chemistry with fucking uh, Mel. uh, No, I'm sorry. Albert Brooks Mm -hmm. has tons of chemistry with Brian Cranston, which isn't fucking surprising. (laughs) But yeah, just the two leads don't work together. uh, And I feel like that really holds the movie back. I'll even go one further. He has he has better uh, chemistry with Oscar Isaac in this film, the baby daddy that he's moving in on. that shit's believable. He has actually pretty intense chemistry with Christina Hendricks. It's all very menacing and dangerous. But like, those are two actors playing off each other, like giving something and getting something. I, I, oof, I don't know. Maybe, maybe yeah. all of Hollywood figured that out about Mulligan because uh like, I feel like she was everywhere in the mid 2010s and she's kind of like nowhere now, but maybe I'm also kind of mm-hmm. avoiding stuff with her in it.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know what I've seen her in her character's name. And this is Irene. Um, And I, I guess we should talk about Irene because I think Irene is like worst character in some ways in this movie there's a lot of information that Irene should be dishing out but maybe it's because of the aesthetic of this film that doesn't have them saying Mm -hmm. anything to to each other at any point in this movie they're Mm -hmm. basically just Mm -hmm. trading looks or maybe it's down to like maybe it's down to just them not like wanting to paint this character in a certain way but she does not say some key things to Ryan Gosling's character to Driver because I think that's his name in this movie that she probably needs to be saying as as, uh, you know, someone who has a baby daddy who's in prison and about to get out in a week. And she kind of knows that coming in from
0: jail. Is that important? So does she know that? Because but the other thing is, you could turn that right it, around to Ryan Gosling and be like, hey, maybe when you're talking about being a driver, uh-huh, uh,
1: you know, uh, you, yeah. you can
0: talk about
1: the yeah, heists true. that you do. They're both withholding information that is very important to this budding relationship that they have and I I get sort of angry about that but that's really the only downside or, or potential flaw in this movie that I see everything else is really well done. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I, like I said, as I was watching this,
0: I, cause I wanted to give it another shot. I just recently saw baby driver again and I <laughs> revised my estimation of that film upwards quite a bit. In fact, I think it's nice. damn near close to being a perfect film. They just, uh, they fell in love with John ham and there's too much ham in the third act. There's way too <laughs> much ham. Some you of that need, ham to, need, need to cut some of those servings of protein and I don't know, put some vegetables in there or something because it's just too much of a good thing. I think. Uh, So I'm like in the early stages, I'm like, okay, I, this is really good stunt driving Mm -hmm. and it feels real. And I, you know, I went on to, you know, read up a little bit on the film and I understand like, you know, why that is. And that was something the director was going for. But like, it's kind of like when you see. Uh, if you put yourself back in a mind frame of seeing um, uh, the born identity for the first time, like that's kind of a yeah. car race. That's kind of like a car chase you've not seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is like a car driver, you know, that's, yeah, he's got his code. He's got all this stuff. But I, I thought that entered uh, that introduced. Well, I really like Brian Cranston. I like that stuff. It's like, in fact, the, but, but the movie just hits a brick wall. When he meets Carrie Mulligan on an elevator with her child and they're supposed to have a spark and there is absolutely no spark. And then they follow up that <laughs> with just inexplicable more and more. And they keep on the And it just the movie kind of sags. And then when he gets away and they're like running another heist, the, the movie gets another pulse and there's like a lot of graphic. Yeah. Violence, but then it's like, it always comes
1: back to this Irene situation. Uh, Maybe we should. It, it like breakdown give a synopsis of what the movie's about because I want to talk about that opening scene in spoilery okay. terms um so yeah let's let's do that and then get over that spoiler
0: Ryan Gosling is the driver that's all we know him as or the kid uh he is a young uh stuntman slash auto mechanic slash car racer who does odd jobs involving stunt work and and car restoration for Brian C- Cranston's character who runs um uh a a body shop or a racing shop or I don't know, some kind of car mechanic thing in LA. He's also Uh, a stunt producer,
1: I think. Yeah. Director guys that like has a, has
0: gets the cars ready and has the guys ready to do the things they need to do. Um, and you know, he, they, they pay their bills by doing stunt work and on the side they do heists where, you know, some it's, you know, you've seen Jason Statham, uh, transporting things. Mm -hmm. It's that. Ah, uh, you've seen Baby Driver. You need someplace. Uh, you got to be someplace really quick, and you can't have cops or people with guns stopping and asking questions about it. You hire this guy, and um, he only drives. He doesn't
1: participate in the heist. He's just he only drives. He carry
0: gun. Like he's you got him for five minutes. Anything before <laughs> that or after that, he don't give a shit about, and yeah. he's not going to help. Um, and everything's going swimmingly. In fact, it seemed like they might be going legit. They they uh, do a deal with uh, a, a Los Angeles businessman that is going to get them into funding for a race team. And they want to go all in on this like amateur NASCAR, uh, racing. Um, everything goes, starts going bad when Carrie Mulligan walks in with their very, admittedly, very cute son, uh, of a dad who's in jail and is going to get home soon. And guess what? He, he, he got out of jail, but, uh, the life of crime keeps pulling him back and it puts the driver in a situation where is he going to let this young family that he cares about inexplicably, uh, get slaughtered by the underworld of L.A., or is he going to fucking drive their way out of it? You'll never guess what course of action he chooses. Uh, and there's twists and turns from there. Uh, admittedly, yeah. some
1: of them were pretty pretty shocking. Um, oh yeah, okay, I think that's the, gangster, the that's the premise of the film. The gangster plot in this movie is real good, but we'll talk about it. Uh, I, I want to talk about the driving in this movie because it's ostensibly mostly about that. Uh, uh the driving. It's, it's called Drive. It's a statement. <laughs> it's it's great. It's. It's great in a way, like you said, it's different. Um, like the born identity was different. Like uh, Italian job, I guess, was different after the born identity did it. Uh, the, the way the tactical nature of the driving,, um, mm-hmm. really paints a picture of this character. and I, I love how they do that, because not a lot of driving movies will do that. Use the driving to, to tell you something about the main character. He's smart, uh, mm-hmm. it is like number one, but he's, he's very controlled. Uh, constant poise like he is the epitome of cool right in these high pressure pressure situations and that first driving scene does a hell of a lot of heavy lifting to tell you about this character mm-hmm. and it's exciting I think, too the way he's he's dodging and i've never quite seen it it's it's not a high speed chase for the most part right it's a game of cat and mouse and mm-hmm. I, I really love that part of it They also show that he's not afraid to
0: go directly at things too. Like he's a very direct character, and I feel like some of the stunt work uh, um, tells that part of the story too. Mm -hmm. I saw that like uh, the actor or the director had a couple things. The that first car sequence is essentially, I guess Ryan Gosling went through a stuntman school so he could do some of his own stunts. Okay, and it was just him and the director with a handheld camera inside the car for like two days. And hmm. he never wanted the action to leave the car and go from an exterior. Like it's all either going to be tight work on the car so you can see what it's doing. And inside reaction, that's like the world that he wanted to. And I think part of this works because it's a little amateur. Like, you know, you've got there's there's two there's two things they did, what they called the biscuit rig, which was pioneered on the show, uh, the movie Sea Biscuit, which allows um, someone to be doing something and the actual person is to the side or behind. Uh, so Ryan Gosling can just essentially act like he's driving and concentrate on his performance and a stuntman's doing the heavy lifting behind him or to this or to the side and the camera doesn't pick any of that stuff up. But I think a lot of it is like, uh, this, uh, one of the other car sequences involving Christine, Christina Hendricks works because I think you have a terrified actor in the back seat of the car getting thrown around and you're just organically. <laughs> Like, it, it, there's something kind of real to, like, you know, her horrified look as she's, like, going back and forth. And there's a car spiraling in the back seat, flipping end over end behind her. It's, uh-huh. um, you know, these are, like, the driver is un- completely unflappable. But all this chaos swirling around and this, uh, it doesn't look pretty. It's There's not near misses. Cars are getting clipped all the time. There, there's something to it. There's something very direct and uh, unpretentious about the car driving action. That is completely missing from a Fast and Furious, for example.
1: And I like also how uh, Gosling's reaction to the situations he's in when he's in the car changes over the course of the movie a little bit. Like, he's still very poised and and calm and collected and all that. But in the beginning, he's much more so, right? Um, There's a a marked difference between his expression when he's driving these two guys who pull off this heist, whatever, at the beginning versus when he's got Christina Hendricks in the car. It, yeah, it, he's a little more panicked you can tell um mm-hmm. still with it but yeah he there is an evolution of that character um throughout the film through the driving and I, I think it's probably the best part of the movie Yeah, I don't know the gangster part's very good as well I, I want to talk about that but
0: yeah I, I love the yeah driving. I think like I said that's the stuff I like about the movie the driving the gangster stuff the like ultra violence even I don't have a problem with it's just yeah. everything about the Everything they use to, like, build the emotional stakes, by and large, doesn't work for me. Uh, gotcha. Honestly, I, I I kind of like the I got a lot of juice out of uh, Bernie. Yeah. Like this guy that's capable of doing the shocking stuff. but He doesn't want to. Like, he doesn't really like he's really pissed at Ron Perlman for putting me in this position. Yeah. Um, but there's something just like cold and clinical. Uh, I, I don't want to talk too much about that yet because I want to, like, spin the whole conversation on that. The way they do storytelling, the driver, because he has very little dialogue, he almost never says anything, Um, but they do really cool stuff like he's he's always pictured driving and they've got like this one shot where it's like the camera is the stick shift and it's looking up at him and he's driving through these sequences of like probably overpasses and like there's this whole shadow rolls over his body, but then you also his eyes are lit by the rear view mirror. It gives him kind of like he looks like he's wearing a baklava and you just see his eyes. And then his whole face lights up and he goes to another time that sequence of this, like as kind of reflecting the like hopeful and dark thoughts that are kind of rolling through his mind. Um, Some slick, slick shots like that, that really, um, again, because you don't know anything else about what's going on. This guy's like, you have to
1: have things like that. And this this movie delivers them in spades, I think. Yeah. What about the driver's look? And throughout the movie, he's got this scorpion jacket that he wears, this white jacket with a gold scorpion emblazoned on the back. It, a, I, I feel like for a guy who steals cars to be not very noticeable and is worried about like, Oh, is this Impala going to get me noticed? It's, no, it's gray, and it's the most common car in right. L.A., so you'll be fine. No one will even look at you. To wear mm-hmm. a fucking iconic jacket like this is yeah, a little out of is white.
0: Although, I guess, like, if he's in the ditch car phase where he takes that thing off and puts on, like, a Dodger's cap, mm-hmm. it, be- it becomes, like, even better camouflage because you're looking for this. We're going to find this <laughs> guy with, like, a-, a jacket that's brighter than the sun. It's got a gold scorpion on the back. Yeah. Uh, look at this Joe job, just walking down in drab jeans and a Dodgers cap.
1: Can't be him. And they just run right past them. But then when you're sitting in the diner and like one of the guys <laughs> who you drove previously recognizes your giant scorpion. Yeah. You're sure. Probably not as camo as you want to be. So yeah, I don't know. I guess it's a double-edged sword, but yeah. it is like, I like pretty iconic. I it, like
0: the look it, and they're very smart. They show him like, you know, doing this, which this has now become kind of tropey The like, uh, just park a car somewhere and melt away. Like, I think the first time I ever saw that Mm -hmm. was in a Patriot games movie. Oh, it's like the idea that you can like just park in a big parking lot in a mall and they're looking for your aerial and you just walk into a mall and you might as well walked into a fucking alternate reality because what the fuck? Yeah. You
1: know, you can just take your, you just shed your outer clothes, buy some, it's, it's, are we getting to the point where that's not going to be a thing in movies because of facial recognition? Yeah. I already think we're there. I was actually like, the more I'm like, I'm watching Sopranos,
0: mm-hmm. uh, the Sopranos would be rolled up. Like with the <laughs> amount of bodies that they drop, like there's so many cameras and CCTVs yeah. and stuff. I feel like if it, the thing is like pissing off the police bad enough that they want to do this, cause it's actually hard police work going around. All right. Crime happened here. Where's the camera? Where's the camera? They went this way. Where are the street cameras? You have to build like a whole uh, and, but yeah, you can, if you cared enough to, it's just, uh, Yeah. Yeah. And usually murders are the things that uh, really,
1: really, really arise to that kind of level scrutiny. I feel Um, like now they're just going to have like the cops up in the helicopter, just going to have an app where they can hit a button and just like, like, you know, drawing lines on a football field in real time or or text on a football field on television. They can just pinpoint you and watch you walk down the street. Yeah, that's going to be like once like and, and if they get a engine sophisticated enough, it'll hand off between cameras. It's like, hey, this yeah. is a person of interest and have this yeah. mesh network of of facially identifying uh, camera. Yeah, yeah, it'll it'll be so easy. I the mean, on one hand, it seems like a great crime fighting tool for like murders and rapes and right. stuff.
0: But uh, on the other hand, it's pretty uh, are well in. We'll see if it's used for good or evil. I don't know. <laughs> um there, I will say there's two scenes that used to work a lot better until like three months ago. <laughs> Every time he puts on that foam face, I can't think of anything <laughs> other than I think you should leave skit where the guy's like, I got too much shit on me. This chin kills. I'm taking like the head just, off. <laughs> I'm taking the head off. The, the bit's going to be like, I'm taking the head. I'm taking this shit off. <laughs> It's so fucking hilarious. Yeah. And it just destroys the climax of the the, the end of this movie.
1: It was and, already and, pretty silly looking. Yeah, but yeah,
0: I think you're right. That just really underlines it. The <laughs> fact that like, yeah, we got Ryan Gosling's dead doll eyes looking from the depths of this foam mask. It's oh my. And then, you know, if you haven't yeah. seen a Netflix series, then I guess and drive is your favorite movie.
1: Don't because it'll wreck it. It'll wreck at it the full third of this movie. Oh I do God. feel like it makes the whole final, that whole beach scene a lot creepier, though. Like stalking it's him version. the ocean. Yeah. yeah, it's very creepy. I liked that part of it, but you're right. It's I think also that's all.
0: Silly. That's the thing. It's like sometimes the intentionalities art films get me. And I, I just, this came up a lot in Pig, where it's like, oh, boy, boy, oh boy, this is like film house. This is film school 101, and, and he's doing it. Um, like I was reading that like uh, he wanted you to understand that like Ryan Gosling is kind of like a, he used the word werewolf in this interview several times. Like he's a man, but he can turn into an animal. And like when uh, uh, his, his girlfriend sees him kick that guy's head in, in the elevator, Mm -hmm. like that's her like witnessing her lover turn into a werewolf. And I think that like the latex mask is directly supposed to remind you of something like Michael Meyer this implacable un, yeah. you know, unkillable monster, um, something monstrous that he's transformed himself into. Um, but he can still go back to being a man. Like, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, it's a transformation. It's not like who he is underneath or like who he is at his core. It's something he literally transforms into, which is kind of cool. But like I said, it's, it's something that like really
1: textual. So it's, it's very noticeable. Yeah. And I mean, it, the symbolism does come through. Certainly it's, it's, part of my notes here so and that's interesting because like
0: they even uh, bring this up in the movie where um Gosling is watching a movie with her kid or a series or something and he's like oh is that a bad guy and he's like yeah how can you tell he's like a shark oh there's no good sharks no you can tell just look at him you know like Ryan Mm -hmm. Gosling at this stage in his career I think most people look at him and he's the you know he 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 he's the tearjerker guy in in notebook he's not yeah. like a menacing dangerous guy um so like i think they're they're showing the difference between like the true bad guys but i that's it's funny is cuz like this film is filled with people who you know like if you look at ron perlman versus uh, albert brooks like who is the threatening figure ron perlman it's, yeah but he's the joke like he's uh-huh. like if it weren't for bernie he would have probably been fish food a long time ago this this kind the, the kind guy is the one that you really are scared of
1: they, yeah, they play that theme a lot monsters versus the truly dangerous people in the world yeah and i think casting against type uh with with brian gosling was a smart move um in that regard because it, man it, as little as they sell the chemistry and the romance between him and irene in this movie can you imagine if it was ron perlman in that role as driver like i yeah i mean maybe they would have had more chemistry i don't know but you would have looked at him immediately and said oh that's a bad guy you shouldn't get involved with him whereas ryan gosling yeah, you don't know and early goings you think that ryan, uh, the gosling might be
0: a baby driver type who is just like he's just uncomfortable with violence and uh, but there's that great yeah. scene in the diner where a guy who you understand maybe one of his drives broke bad for tries to recruit him on the side and he's like you shut your fucking mouth or i'll kick every teeth down your throat just like just out of nowhere this Mm -hmm. side and like fuck gosling okay um just a little hint before we actually see him do stuff like that to like nah this isn't some naive guy that was manipulated into he's done already at this stage a lot of bad stuff and
1: doesn't mind doing more um if he thinks you deserve it for sure uh there's Something you said to go back to the driving very quickly here. It's something you said about the technique that they use to get these shots where they have, what was it? The, the biscuit cam, the, the biscuit rig, the biscuit rig, uh, where you got a different guy driving. It, they use that in this movie and it's very obvious now that you've pointed it out because there's one scene where he's driving into his parking garage at his apartment building and mm. Oscar Isaac has just been beat up and the two guys who did it are walking out of the parking garage and mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling eyes them at the same and never takes his eyes off of them, even for a split second. And as he's doing watching them, he's parking his car in a very tight space. So you can tell ah. that, like, it, it, it does. It, well, OK, so that must be the yeah, biscuit rig, yeah, yeah. right? Because the stunt sure. man is the one who's actually driving the car. But also uh-huh. in the movie, it's really effective in showing you just how good, how instinctual of a driver he is, because he doesn't even need to look where he's going. He just, yeah, he know he can feel it. He can feel it. Yeah, and it's it's, like w- a, it's a really good touch.
0: That's a good point, because I didn't even notice that. But you're I, I noticed it subconsciously because I saw how yeah. intensely he's looking. But the fact that he's doing a complicated park is without checking his mirrors or
1: anything. <laughs> Nothing. Very impressive. Yeah.
0: I feel like that sometimes the movie. Sweats details like that, but there was a couple things that I bothered me. Like, uh, they're they're doing the one last heist to clear. uh What is his name? Is this guy's name Standard? Which I thought that, I know, that was yeah. funny. Standard Gabriel, and I forgot the obvious joke. Where's the deluxe version? It's pretty good. Uh But Standard gets uh, this this uh, thing goes all pear shape when he tries to rob this uh, pawn shop, and he gets shot. Um but I don't know how we go from like that shot of like Gosling peeling out of there and laying tracks and these guys chasing him on foot to like, we're like, we smash cut to like a exciting chase between him and some belligerent down the freeway. And I'm mm-hmm. um, like, I think they later fill in that like there was a second car and there was some stuff that you, we didn't know about, but like it left me very disoriented, but maybe I guess that's what the director was trying to do. Like, well, Ryan Gosling didn't know about the second chase car. But I would have liked to scene like, I think there's a cut missing there where, like, he tears past the SUV who's parked in another lot and it tears out Because I was like, well, how the fuck did they chase up with them or catch up with them? They're nowhere near a car. Ryan Gosling is driving like a bat out of hell. He's the best driver in this film. Yeah. And then, then like, two seconds later, there's on his ass. No, there's a second car in that well, parking lot. I just thought they did a bad
1: storytelling job. Was there? Yeah, they tell it. There's a second car in that parking lot with but- him. And then it, it doesn't follow him out of that scene. Does it? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Huh?
0: Okay. Well, maybe I just fucked up and well, at it, at least that's I, I, I thought, it. I thought there was a bad edit where there felt like there was a couple connecting scenes. that should have been there and it just didn't quite work.
1: Hmm. Now I got it. Um, I, I guess I'm not, I'm not entirely sure whose car, whose second car was in that parking lot. So it's, it's Ron Perlman's car or it's the New York gangsters car. I, Mm-hmm. I, I can't. No, it's definitely tell it was which.
0: part of the setup, and you find that out later, and that's fine because, like, okay, well, we shouldn't have any information oh, the right. driver doesn't have. So, the, I'm just saying that, like, in the moment, I wish we saw that develop. Like, you know, uh, as he pulls out of a parking lot, another car shifts into gear and pe- peels out after him, or so a car wh- like peeling out of a side drive or something. So, because
1: otherwise no, I we, felt do like see it, we do see it is, is Ron, do we? Okay. so Ron Perlman's idea there is he's hiring this low-level gangster dude in the tracksuit to, to hire Oscar Isaac to force Oscar Isaac and Christina Hendricks to go rob this million dollars from the pawn shop that belongs to the East Coast Mafia and then he's going to rip them off making it look yeah. like what and then he'll be insulated from it
0: because they won't be like, oh, this this well-known Irish or the Irish Jewish Italian mobster ripped us off. It's this no name. What's his face and his red headed sister? And maybe they face consequences or maybe they just wind up dead before the East Coast guys ask me questions. But it's yeah, I, the thing is, is like I didn't spend a lot of mental energy trying to figure it out because uh, Brooks lets me know later on. That's a meathead play and a meathead <laughs> plan. <laughs> that was doomed to uh, fail like it did, you know, like, like, right. okay, it's a great idea to hire a bunch of no name, low life's off the street to take the fall. But guess what? You're trusting no name, low life's on the street to fucking do the job for you in the first place. So yeah, congratulations. True.
1: Okay. That tracks. What'd you think of Christine Hendricks, by the way? Ah, uh, she's different than I've seen her in anything else. Um, I guess maybe I'm focusing too much on the Mad Men, Firefly, Christina Hendricks, but I've never seen her in like modern day street clothes of just like normal everyday, like a hoodie and a T-shirt. And it was kind of weird, but I liked it. She's great, but it's also Mm -hmm. odd
0: to see her in a a role that gives her almost zero agency. She's like bullied and browbeat in this situation. She's literally bullied and beat by the driver to get information out of her. Mm -hmm. Uh, She then gets like the first truly shocking uh, piece of violence in the film is her head getting obliterated in slow motion by a shotgun. Um, I don't know why Hollywood. I mean, maybe it's her own choice. Like she fucking did Mad Men. She did two of the most memorable performances in Firefly. Mm -hmm. And then she did, uh, you know, uh, drive. And she's got like you know Oscar nominations. She's got Emmy nominations. She's got sci-fi pulp clout, and she's like, you know what? Fuck it, I can be choosy. Mm-hmm. But like, I can think she was in that what was that other Michael K. Williams thing, uh, Leroy and the Bird, or uh, Frank and McCastle, and uh, <laughs> I <laughs> the, don't know. Yeah, I I haven't seen her in a lot of stuff post Mad Men. I'm like, is Hollywood just not know what to do with her? It's sad because I think she's great and I just hardly have ever yeah. seen her in anything.
1: Yeah, same here. I uh, haven't seen her in a lot of modern stuff. Uh, what do you think of Brian Cranston in this movie speaking of some of the actors? He's great, man. He does exactly what he needs to do.
0: He plays this like crusty put upon guy who's like just trying to hustle for money at the lower rungs of Hollywood and mm-hmm. and uh, you know he's like charming and he knows like who's like he knows he's got to like butter up uh, Ron Perlman, but he knows that, you know, uh, Brooks is the real power uh, in, in the behind the throne. And uh, th- then, yeah, I mean, I, I remembered here's the thing. I remember that death scene going on a lot longer. I thought I we stayed too. on until if Cranston dies. Uh, maybe it's just because that's just how fucking vivid it is, because there's something yeah. about like him. It's like a veterinarian that's putting a dog to sleep. It, or yes. chilling in the same way that like that nazi stabbing the kid uh the 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 machine gunner in uh the end of uh, saving private, private ryan, ryan. Mm-hmm. like the like you know he's being so gentle and like shh it's over it's over. it's just easy like yeah you're just gonna die now and it's okay there's something about that that's so like that is way more psychopathic than like a, di- <laughs> a guy chopping you up with a chainsaw to me you know, it, it there is yeah. It's very strange. It's not the empathy and bedside manner I know. with
1: like like you know, and then all but but it's, it's I think it's, it's merciful. To make them feel better about it. It's yeah yeah. I mean, like he's he's right about it, right? When he says, "Look, it's done. It's over." Like that's, that's it, the hard part. No you know, pain. It, no pain, no pain, and and he's just cut his entire arm, not just his wrist, but oh, all yeah. the way this down like it's just. A, yeah he's done. There's nothing that can be done about this. It's over, like he says it and there's something merciful about doing it that way, right? because there is no pain, it's not torture. it's just like this is a matter of fact thing that he's got to do, and it's it's done you know I, it it's weird, and it, you contrast that with the with the gore that's coming out of his arm, right mm-hmm. the pools of blood that are just flowing, and th- there's something very unsettling about that scene, and it has it's the one scene that absolutely stuck with me from this movie. Uh, for the ten years it's been since I've seen it, it's so different from Gangland assassinations. Like you think you you
0: compare him to like uh, you know uh, Sam L Jackson's character from Pulp Fiction. Like so, you know, mm-hmm. my name's Pitt. You're not talking your ass out of it. Like just blatant <laughs> in- intimidation from the get go. Yeah. Whereas this is the complete. It's like it's the Velvet Glove Killer. Uh, and I don't. It's like it's, Rick and Morty made this point that like, just sudden death out of nowhere is far more terrifying than something you can kind of like see coming. Um, and like I've gotten like that's the thing that the, the deaths that shock me are like when like a gangster will just come up to someone and tap them in the head. Like the idea that like yeah. you're living your life and then it's lights out and you don't even fucking know it. Uh, you're just life just over and how fragile it is. Like, you know, you're shaking a guys hand yeah. and now you're fucking going to bleed out in 30 seconds. It's fucking, I don't know. It fucks with me but, but that's Cranston the way to do just it plays it so like he plays it exactly like a guy in that yeah. where he thought he talked himself out he's crossing the rain he's he's well he's going to cross a rainbow bridge he's crossing <laughs> the bridge and and he's he's he thought he's going to lose his life now he's gained his life and now it's over mm-hmm. and that that reversal has happened in like 15 seconds yeah it's, it's amazing that's wild that's a great scene it also is like, I really like the scene between Gosling and Brooks. Like, again, like, fucking Gosling has chemistry with everyone in this movie, except for uh, the, the person he's supposed to. But there's this like, they're both smiling each other. And it's the it's kind of like the same smile, like when a child comes up and tells you something that's very naive. But like You know, like, oh, dad, I hope we're always together. And you smile like, well, you know, you don't what are you going to do? said tell a three year old, I'm going to die one of these days. Hopefully you know a lot. but it's kind of like there's this kind of like smile like when uh you know he's looking at the driver and the driver thinks he's negotiated this stuff and and he's about to betray it but like gosling's smiling back in the exact same way because mm-hmm. he knows that this guy is going to try to fuck him and he's going to fuck him back and there's something that really works well that conversation where they're both looking at each other with these wolfish grins, and only one of them actually knows what the fuck is going on, and it's not the guy you expect.
1: I thought that worked really well. Yeah, the the big question mark I have is, why doesn't he do the same move to Gosling that he does to Cranston, right? Where he cuts his whole arm open. Instead, he just stabs him sort of in the gut area and and <sighs> gives Driver an opportunity to kill him instead, which is exactly well, what happens, so... Yeah,
0: I don't know, because there's something there There again, there's just like an impressionist kind of cool, rule of cool to this movie. And where, where Brooks, after he kills Cranson, he uses that like straight razor and he cleans it up. And he puts it in a case. And like in my mm-hmm. mind, that suggests that he selects a knife for each person. He's first of all, he kills yeah. a lot of people. These are the knives he uses to do it. Mm-hmm. And he picked a different knife that and I, I don't know, maybe it's because. I don't know why, because I don't, and I don't think the movie does either. It's just, they suggest that this is some kind of thing. Um, and I, I, I try, yeah, why would he just go for something that's a killing blow, not a gut wound. <laughs> yeah. Although I don't think anything would like, yeah, like he, like this guy's a much older, you know, I think Ryan Gosling can kick his ass. Like the, the, the deal is he just thought he was dealing with the lamb yeah, yeah. because um, he hadn't seen the lion yet. And he had he kicked this tiger in his ass, had no plan to deal with his teeth and claws. And <laughs> that's like, I don't know what you do short of like decapitation. Like maybe you, if maybe right. if you meet Cleaver or the chef knife, his neck three times, it would have done him in. But I don't know what <laughs> Albert Brooks does to this guy that takes him out that he can't just get a knife right in him. You right. Know? So. Yeah, uh, he was unprepared for that. While the movie in, uh, you know, 2011, it comes out where the knife violence is way, way more disturbing and uh, horrific than the gun
1: violence. Yeah. And, and again, the gun violence includes someone's head getting misted by a shotgun. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I, I couldn't tell you exactly why that knife scene with Cranston is so visceral and sticks with me, whereas I totally forgot about the shotgun scene with Christina mm. Hendricks. Didn't do it, but yeah.
0: You know, um, I think another thing that gives this the vaporwave kind of aesthetic, even though it doesn't earn it, is the soundtrack. For sure. It's very synth heavy. That real hero. Yeah. Uh, night call. That shit is the beat. Like, it's, it's the beating heart of this movie. And like I said, I'm, I guess you call me a hater of this movie. I'm not a really hater. I guess I'm a cold admirer of this cold, <laughs> bloodless movie. But like the soundtrack almost gets me all the way on the board of just being, all right, this fucking works for me. Yeah. I honestly, God, if you had, I, I think you take any other replacement actor and you slaughter into Carrie, uh, or not Carrie. Yeah. Carrie Mulligan's role. And hmm. this movie just works for me. If you okay. just anybody that like I bought that on site, You would just like or they I don't know, like you could have a right. Gosling needs a backstory where his mom was a single mom that rate something, something that like it makes me think that like he identified and could see himself as like this missing puzzle piece and this thing right away. And they don't really do that. In fact, like (laughs) this is a great like the movie sets up more chemistry between Oscar Isaac and Carrie Mulligan than it does with with Gosling here like when he's got the yeah. little uh, uh coming home party and he's telling this, the meat cute about you know like oh i said i'm my name is standard and she's like what's the <laughs> i i like that and she's got this like kind of like slow smile as he's telling the story like i didn't feel
1: any of that stuff um with the the gosling i got a suggestion for you you just yeah swap carrie mulligan and christina Hendricks in this movie and i think it's a that relationship is twice as good
0: Interesting, I guess I'd have to see that, because, like again, Christine Hendricks wasn't given me that, but yeah, I mean she
1: i I've seen her have chemistry with a lot of different people, yeah um,
0: but but then, if about- they make her
1: just make googly eyes and smile sheepishly at him, it's not going to do much for him, so like yeah I think yeah. you needed some some lines from the characters. <laughs> Well,
0: I also, so there's another big question mark I had about that scene where they're driving the LA river and I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, well this is like, well he's a stunt driver and he's doing the grease shit and oh, this is where there's film T2, <laughs> but then they drive to Narnia and I'm like, uh-huh. does the actual LA river end in a nature sanctuary that's just like beautiful and pristine
1: and unpolluted and like may- maybe it does, but I know that thing expands hundreds of miles. Certainly it has to, um, it has to. and, and I- they're not not it's not short enough that he could drive it in one day. I don't think like back and forth. Um, or it's like but you I get don't get to the end
0: of the concrete tunnel and it just turns into a nature. Yeah. I, I don't know. But it, like it, might, the it thing, might. It felt like a fairy tale. And I even put that in my notes is like, this seems like a fairy tale sequence. Mm-hmm. And then I read in an interview where he uh, had the idea to make this movie after he'd read Grimm's fairy tales. The- and he was <laughs> actually looking to make kind of like a modern fable with L.A. kind of like this dark forest and that's that these characters inhabit and all that stuff. And I'm like, OK, I didn't
1: get any I, of that. I guess I see that a little a little bit. Um, Boy, he'd really have to handhold me through this movie telling me, like, see here, <laughs> this this building here. This is a big tree. And well, there, I no, I
0: can see because like he did. The, there's also like the Pearlman's way he's a filmed- big bad wolf. I mean, obviously, this thing is set in 2010 L.A., but like aesthetically, it's like all the ca- the the cars and the well, without except, I mean, the, the late model Chevy Impala is a late model Chevy Impala, but with the mm-hmm. cars and the clothing and the musical cues are suggesting the 80s. Um, and he also the way he filmed L.A. Like you, there's there's a lot of new modern millennial architecture in L.A. downtown, to put it mildly. Mm-hmm. but they never show that all the locations they picked were supposed to be like kind of old school, more classically run down LA. And the only time you see that stuff is at a distance. Like there's a couple of nighttime helicopter shots that yeah. I thought made LA look like blade runner yeah. version of LA Very, So I kind of got the dark forest aesthetic that, you know, decent people can get lost in, you know, witches popping up here and there giants and werewolves and monsters and stuff. I, I kind of get a little bit.
1: I see where he's going. Why does he get lost? I I wish I knew more about the character driver um, because he's pretty much an enigma throughout this entire movie. We don't understand why he came to L.A. looking for work in uh, Shannon's garage. We maybe understand that, although I can't tell if Shannon is joking with uh, yeah, I, say, I don't even know that that's that's a real backstory to him right when he comes to the garage and he says I, I paid him half what I pay my normal workers don't tell him I've been taking advantage of him the whole time some of that element is true because he's like got him mixed up in all these schemes right but I don't know if he was mixed up in criminal schemes before he came to LA and maybe that's why he came to LA or yeah. or where he's headed at the end of this he's, he's an enigma the entire time
0: it also tracks like what um, the the build on your point with Cranston uh, when Brooks is telling us uh, his relationship with him. He says, like uh, yeah, I let this guy used to charge twice as much. Yeah, he used to overcharge me all the time, but I didn't care because I liked him. And then he tried that shit with Nico and Nico broke his pelvis. Uh, so like I it's it's in this guy's character that he does kind of take advantage of the, mar- in the margins and even when there's this like he's got this fast talking. I said, OK, kid, they want you to roll the card, and I got and, and I got double your rate. Of course of course we'll split that 50 50 it's like wh-
1: what the fuck you get to take half of the danger <laughs> money because you negotiated it for me what and yeah. he's also getting squeezed from the stunt side right there's a couple lines in there about how hollywood like wants to pay you wants to skip out on the bills uh for a yeah, stunt like that they don't put six in the movie building a stunt car and then
0: they you know blow they blow it up in a day of shooting and it gets cut and edit the first week of editing and then probably they want to stiff you i imagine
1: right right so there's like you can feel the squeeze from all sides in this and he's doing it. He's perpetuating that, doing it to other people. It's confusing, but like the, but driver seems like strangely outside of it all. I, Mm. I don't know where he intersects with life. Honestly. Yeah. There's a lot of where I felt like
0: the stylishness of the film. Cause like when he's in that one scene where he's threatened to beat the guy to death with a hammer, his like whole vo- body is convulsing and shaking with the. F- I guess you're supposed to understand the fury that's coursing through his veins. Uh-huh. But like, it's such a grounded performance until then that it felt like. And again, I think maybe he's trying to. Tra- he's like trying to sell this physical transformation into a monster. Like mm-hmm. you know, like uh, uh, this isn't how he's with Carrie. This isn't with how he's like with Benicio. Um, It just. But some of it was so outlandish that I'm like, I like. Okay, who is this guy? Like. Is this guy a cool customer whose his whose pulse doesn't raise in the most dangerous situation? Or is he the guy that has a flight or fight response so strong that he can't have a conversation when he's mm-hmm. angry or charged with violence where his whole body's not shaking? Like that's two completely different characterizations you're trying to to draw here. It's like a Brad Pitt in uh Ad Astra. You know, halfway through the movie yeah. has a scene where he's shaking with rage and he's froth. It's like, what the fuck? Like I don't know, like it's it's it it felt felt very um, it was in there because it was cool and it it was it it was part of the story that he's wanting to tell. But it also undermined the characterization. But he didn't care because the the stylishness is what was important for the film. And maybe that's the good instinct, because, again, film's got 95 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, one Oscars like I, I, I'm definitely uh, in the minority uh, not getting this film on an emotional level.
1: Yeah, I do wonder, though, do you think this is the first time that he's been involved in something that has either gone this awry? up? Or, yeah, is even approaching this fucked 100%. up? 100%. Do his Which jobs makes usually wonder, go off perfectly
0: smooth? I think, well, if, if they're not smooth, it doesn't affect him. Because obviously okay, that one driver, yeah. like, intimates that, like, they had a drive go terribly, or that one guy had a, he meets in a cafe and he threatens, uh, like, I got from that that they had a drive that went disastrously
1: bad. But like it didn't fuck with Ron, you know, it didn't fuck with Gosling's. Oh, I uh, see. I thought they hired somebody else to drive them and it went disastrously bad and got them uh, his buddy thrown oh. in jail or whatever. Um, huh? Okay. So he's trying to I hire th- him back. I see.
0: Because we should have used you as kind of we <laughs> right. use the we use the second rated highest guy off Craigslist. And it just Okay. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. I think so, I, man, I feel like I misinterpreted a couple of key scenes
1: here. <laughs> oh, maybe. It's the maybe. second one I didn't feel like I had a good handle on. I might have misinterpreted it, though. Who knows? Uh, you said it won awards. It it was nominated for an Academy Award. Um, it did win some awards, but no Academy. I thought awards. it won best or like I thought I thought it did win some Academy Awards. I'm just seeing best sound editing. Um, it was nominated, and I don't believe it won. Uh, all right, huh, I'm not sure okay. what it was up against. Let me see. Uh, Hugo took it that year, apparently for best sound editing. Uh, there were like a few other smaller things i wanted to talk about uh first of all i thought i spotted a breaking bad reference in here when brian cranston's talking to bernie and he's like uh where do where where driver go (laughs) he's like i he talked about running off to some country it might have been belize which i think that's a breaking bad reference it could be yeah mexico or belize
0: yeah like that's uh there's a lot of uh I remember Belize was a as a Saul thing. You, yeah, like that's. Uh, but also, I think Belize might just be like where you go. They got non-interested extradition because that was also a plot and justified. Like the, right. one corrupt, crooked dentist one, to retired to Belize, and
1: that's why I'm not sure. Uh, but, but like, yeah, says Mexico it with was kind yeah, of yeah, a knowing. Talking about
0: yeah, a guy fleeing to Mexico or Belize. If he said Alaska, because I don't think
1: <laughs> Breaking Bad wasn't finished <laughs> enough but If he said that, had been the trifecta. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, another thing um, during this car chase the final car chase uh, where they're in the mountain passes right and they're trying to ram him off the road after the heist Mm -hmm. Uh, he does this maneuver where he spins the car around and he's in what I presume is a rear wheel drive Mustang at the time and he just kind of spins it around goes in reverse and then spins it back around and causes them to crash I did not understand The dynamics of that chase at all i didn't i didn't know why spinning the car around helped him in any way it has to do something with the handling maybe i i really don't know yeah there's i don't know that
0: you're talking about the one where he's doing the rockford essentially transition from front i yeah i don't know like is that like just required you have to put that into a car chase movie I suppose. Like you gotta have somebody flipping from reverse to, f- to forward
1: because uh, I, I, I can't think of a single car chase that doesn't feature it. <laughs> right. Yeah, he might be right. Um, it didn't seem to give him a tactical advantage. I don't know why he did it, but whatever. And then I guess the last thing, um, I was thinking about movie stunts and how they're performed nowadays. And a lot of it is CG, but there's still a lot of, you know, traditional stunt work done. Now, my question is, I've seen Mythbusters, I've seen uh, Grant Imahara rig up a whole bunch of, like, is it, what amounts to vehicular drones um, for cars and trucks and all sorts of things. Do we need stunt drivers anymore? Or can we just have, essentially, a, a virtual biscuit, biscuit rig? A, yeah, remote biscuit rig <laughs> and just do this shit without people in the car. Put, you know, put the dummy in the car and just remote control it.
0: I mean, I don't know like how much of that, especially because like this level of driving, if you're talking about just, you know, driving a, a, two people talking to each other in a car, having a conversation. Oh, sure. Uh, but like, yeah, when you are talking about like, I, I don't know, like, like how risking much of your life uh, on this. Yeah. But like, you're going to have actors in the car, right?
1: Or are you talking about like to, to for specifically virtual? these stunt crashes? Like, I don't mm. I don't know why you would put a human being in a car nowadays if you your intention was to crash the car, you're right. I mean, like with like
0: well, self-driving cars are not the same thing as self-stunting cars. But like I, I, no. the my only thing I can think of is like uh, if you're talking about a remote control, then like uh-huh. you don't feel the the tires break traction, so you know when to begin to like you know counter steer and things like that, and you can't feel like the g forces and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But if you actually had an co- AI driving it, where it's like, hey, I need you up on two wheels. Like the AI, would probably, you know, a computer could probably keep a car on two wheels for as long as you need it to at whatever speed you want it to, you know, because um, it can just make so many more. But like if it's just remote control, yeah. probably you
1: want it in the car. If it's AI and you're I just like programming know. it to do things like I've seen I've seen people who can do very impressive stuff with RC. Uh, this tr- is true. RC uh, quadcopters. And this is true. All kinds of things. I don't know that it would be impossible it might be harder I, I agree like being in the car is probably you get that feel so you can get it up on i think that's what the stunt drivers union says
0: hey if you're <laughs> right. not in the car you don't have the feel i gotta i gotta feel the, the steering wheel tremble, man i gotta i gotta feel yeah. the, the rubber brake contraction man probably I say I feel oh yeah the, the, on I average, feel the
1: brake fade they've got a study on average it takes a remote driver you know 25 <laughs> takes to get a shot i can do it i've always done it too like it's true it's yeah. true
0: by the time you get the the servos reset, I'm already strapped into the five point and I'm ready to go. <laughs>
1: right, I'm strapped into the new car. What do you want to waste twenty five uh, Impalas? Hmm, I can I can get you there in two <laughs> Impalas. Exactly, which means we're probably twenty years away rather than five years away from a happening. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's about all I have to say about Drive. I still like this movie, even though I think you're right. It's mostly. It's feel, it's look and feel that does it for me as opposed to like substance. But like I said this movie, is huge. even if I don't like it uh, for
0: what it is, it's hugely influential because, again, I don't yeah. think we have John Wick. I don't think we have Fury Road. Mm-hmm. Certainly do not have Baby Driver without this yep. movie. Like this movie says there is an appetite for a slick, stylish action f- thrill, uh, thriller that's low on characterization and plotting. And it just is like straight to the fucking point. 90 minutes like maybe i mean maybe this is 90 97 minutes it's it's not it's not a long film um and like i said it's 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 hugely influential in terms of style like did like yeah. it this had it was a big part of you know the vaporwave renaissance yes um it's undeniable the influence it had even though i don't necessarily like it um mm-hmm. But you know, you can say the same thing about the first Star Wars. Like, look at the stilted dialogue, the characters that are thin. The, <laughs> you know, like it's just special effects and style. Well, fuck, you know. It it it. it but but look at the influence it's had. So it's uh, ten years on. Um, like I, it's it still leaves me cold. It still doesn't uh get its hooks in me like I can tell it it gets into a lot of people. But I definitely respect what it's doing. Uh, even it's not if it's not my taste, uh I, I do respect what it's doing. I think it's mostly successful at trying to do those things. It's mm-hmm. just for me, the lead chemistry is this movie's Achilles heel uh or Cranston's wrist, and it just <laughs> <laughs> it's a weak point that it can that can be attacked. Um Alright, we're actually recording a bunch of these in, uh, in advance to, to give us a little time uh, for some scheduling issues we're going to be facing in the, in the coming weeks and months, so I'm not exactly sure what is going to happen next. I just know that there will be As Sure as the Sun Sets, another prestige film in your feed next week. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you've enjoyed this uh, talk about uh, 10 years on with uh, Drive. We'll see you on the next one. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later.